each one of us and every one of us. The power of the Holy Spirit is in this place, and God's going to do great things today. Hallelujah. God bless you. you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Pastor Joe said, just go ahead. They know who you are now. A reminder of the story where when you go to visit somebody, they put all the fancy china out and everything else, and you have dinner and everything's great. Next time you go, they put the regular dishes out and you just have a meal with them. The next time you go, they say, food's in the refrigerator. If you get hungry, help yourself. Okay. So, oh, what a blessing to be here. I want to thank Pastor Joe and Ruth and family for being such an encouragement to us. They probably don't realize how much they encourage us. Uh, seeing here and being here, we're always blessed when we come, and uh, we want to come just to be with you at times. It's not, we've been trying to get here since Christmas, but it's, something seems to always come up. But you bless us, and we thank you for it, and thank you for being with us. Hallelujah. Ah, man, where do I start? <laughs> we had such a wonderful prayer. We'll move right into that. The power of the Holy Spirit is here. This year is a special year for us. Hallelujah. This is our 50th anniversary in August. That's the golden anniversary. And we were trying to find a scripture for that, and the only thing we could find is you've come forth as gold tried in the fire. And uh, <laughs> somebody said that's a good one. Praise God. Okay. But uh, it really hasn't been uh, all that. Uh, there's been a few times. Praise God. But 50 years, three children, my lovely wife, Helen, we have what you would call a great marriage, a great marriage. We're going to go there today because you can have a great marriage. Hallelujah. You can have a great marriage. So many today that don't. So we have something to say. And I mean something to say authoritatively because we've lived it. We know it. And we know it can be. So we can speak with authority. Uh, there have been people that have come to us over the years. I think of uh, one time I was doing some remodeling work in a home, and there was a little girl there. And she was watching me and talking to me. She's maybe 12, 13 years old. And she kept talking to me back and forth and all that. And I did the job and went on my way. Didn't think much of it. About 10 years later, I get a phone call. Uh, we want you to do our wedding. And I said, why do you want me? They said, because we've watched your marriage, and we want what you have. And when they showed up for the married premarital counseling, they both showed up with Bibles in their hands, laid them on the desk, and said, tell us what you know. I'm talking about young people. What a blessing. What a blessing. And they do have a great marriage, and we're thankful for that. And, but I just share that with you to let you know that it can be. I'll share one other thing, and then Helen's going to uh, share a word with you. But uh, I forgot what I was going to share. Okay, so go ahead. 
this is what you do. You learn how to jump rope together. Amen. <laughs> and they, they say in the golden years that um, you're, you're trying to keep your ducks in a row. Sometimes we're trying to find the ducks. <laughs> Let me tell you. And um, this helped me. I always wanted to be George's helpmate. I thought that was my God-given role that's described in Scripture. And I can tell you this. The Bible is truth. Walk in it and be blessed. Walk in it and be blessed. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. That's where the victory is. Now, thanks be unto God who always, always causes us to triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14. He does. But are we attentive? Are ears on? I know there's times I didn't want to listen, but I knew I needed to obey my husband, especially when he was a very successful public school teacher and we had just had our first child and we had adopted one, had one, and he comes to me and said, I'm called to the ministry. <laughs> oh, yes. Ours at the altar, but submitted to God's will in our life. He has never been wrong. He cannot ever, ever accuse the Lord. He is perfect in all his ways, all his ways. His timing is perfect. Sometimes you think, well, wait a minute. If you've made that in prayer, I have seen through the years amazing things. His ways aren't ours. They're so much better. They're so much higher. He has infinite wisdom. We do not. And I thank him. I thank him that his word, and this was confirmed in adult Sunday school. What a blessing um, we had in Sunday school this morning. His word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. To make marriage work, um, men and women, I would just say girls, but men and women, Ephesians. If in my Bible, if you open my Bible, will fall out is Ephesians. <laughs> Got to be reproved by the book of Ephesians. Got to be carried by the word of God. It is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And yes, Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. I have no regrets. I say that honestly before you and before God. I am so grateful I've served him. I am so grateful I know him. I'm so grateful for his love for us. I'm so grateful that we can come to him with all of our burdens. And sometimes the biggest burden we bear is our own sins and failings. And if I dare to forget to give those to him, then I don't walk in victory. Amen? Proverbs 31 is another model for us women. And Proverbs 14, and I always tell my daughters this, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. With God's help, I, my, my endeavor was to be a Jesus wife, a, a Jesus-type mama, and a nurse. And I felt and my husband supported me in this, and I am so grateful. I felt a calling to nursing to be his hand extended. I'm there on, with people on the deathbeds now. And I'm able to minister Jesus. I'm able to minister life. And I thank God that he is with us every step of the way as we commit our ways to him and we obey his word. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Praise the Lord. I've been blessed all my life to have Helen as my wife. Mightily blessed. We were coming over here. Uh, we kind of special occasion and an honor, so I always have Helen help me pick out the clothes I should wear and everything, so I I look real real together in front of you. And uh, we get over here and uh, we're unpacked, and I'm crawling in bed for an afternoon nap. Helen says, "Where's your suit?" 
I don't know. I thought you brought it. He said, I thought you brought it. One of us stuck it back in the closet at home. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, oh, I'm so sorry I messed you up. And uh, a few minutes later, she said, I'm, I thank you for not blaming me for bringing, not bringing the suit. And I says, that's okay. <laughs> you already admitted you it was your fault. <laughs> I didn't need to. <laughs> We're going to talk about marriage today. In marriage, I have ministered to hundreds of couples over the years. And it's kind of hard because I see so much grief, sadness, unhappiness, sorrow, fighting, and every kind of thing you could imagine and can't imagine between couples. And it's got me to the point where I used to tell jokes about it, but I can't, once in a while I will, but I, I really can't bring myself to make the, the simple jokes about marriage anymore. It's so serious. There is some humor, but it's so serious. And I believe today, supernaturally, God's going to speak in to lives in this congregation that's going to change you through the hearing of the Spirit through the opening of the spiritual eyes, he's going to change you and turn marriages into marriages of fulfillment so that after 50 years, you can stand there and say, if I had it to do over again, I'd walk down the aisle with her right now. That's what I want for you. That's what God wants for you. As you look in the Bible, you'll see that one of the major themes of the Bible is marriage concept. Christ and his bride, the church. And so today, whether you have a good marriage, not so good marriage, or one that you wish you weren't in, or whether you're hoping to be married, God has a word for you today. God has a word for you today. Hallelujah. And I do mean a word for you. Each and every one in this room. Hallelujah. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage is important to God. God is very serious about marriage. So as we take a little journey, I'll probably not get half of what I could say here or even want to say today, but I know God's going to speak. I know God's going to speak. There's so much. Hallelujah. Like I say, stuff sometimes for a little humor, but let's look at it this way. When you go to get married, you plan to get on a love boat with your dream boat. And instead, you end up on a battleship with a gunboat. Hallelujah. 
I don't know what kind of boat you may have ended up with, but for Helen and me, she's my speedboat, and I'm her tugboat. Hallelujah. I grew up in a home that was totally dysfunctional. So you can't blame your problems of today on what happened to you when you were younger. Get that out of your system, okay? Because it's possible to take the worst of bringing up and turn it as you follow God. Turn it as you follow God. Walk with God and life will become different. Hallelujah. One scripture, and I'm going to go through just a few things here. It may be a little choppy this morning, but uh, just a few things I want to hit to make this come home. I'm not going to aim at the little things you've always heard about, about marriage and all the little uh, phrases and, and some of even good advice, but we're going to aim at some roots this morning. Go right down to the root of the matter. What makes a good marriage? Hallelujah. Ephesians 5.21. Ephesians 5.21. I would encourage you to study, study, study the book of Ephesians. Hallelujah. As I say, I didn't grow up knowing how to be married, and after we got married, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have a clue. One blessed day, I got saved. And through the blessing of God, I realized that the Bible was the best marriage book on the face of the earth. And I began to learn how to be married. And uh, through that, uh, through time and through study and so on, our marriage began to grow better and better and better. But uh, this scripture says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting, see, if you have a Bible, it probably skips that verse and starts the marriage thing on the next, you know, on the next uh, verse. But really, the Bible doesn't break it that way. In fact, it goes all the way back in Ephesians to where it speaks of being filled with the Holy Ghost. So the whole thing just kind of runs together. But one of the keys to having a great relationship, submitting to one another in the fear of God. God is deadly serious about your marriage. And God loves your spouse. God cares about your spouse. And God wants to work in their life, and they are given to you by God. And so, as we would look at our marriage and look at our spouse in the fear of God, hallelujah, you should come to the place where you would be afraid to in any way harm, misuse, abuse your wife or your husband. Hallelujah. And I looked up that word fear. And guess what it means? Be afraid. <laughs> they may not understand that. Be afraid. Those of you that are angry and lashing out and, and, and uh, just treating your mate some unkind way, ungodly way, wake up and begin to fear God 
And one of the things that really helped me was I said, God, let me see Helen like you do. I didn't grow up with this, but the Bible has it here. I think this is key to what we say. Begin. There is very little healthy fear of God anymore. Very little healthy fear of God. We say, well, I don't fear, but I reverence. I looked up reverence. Guess what reverence means? Fear. <laughs> P-H-O-B-O -O in the Greek. Hallelujah. Does that sound familiar? Hobos. Hallelujah. Okay. So I, I consider this just to be, be a foundational verse that is always skipped over when somebody opens the Bible and starts to deal with marriage. Hallelujah. Submitting to one another. Now, for a quick moment, what that means is there is a marriage covenant that you've agreed to, that you've stood before God with, that, uh, that there is a, a, a set pattern for the marriage that you're in, the way that you're going to go, the direction of your family and whatever, and you submit to one another in seeing that come about, seeing the will of God fulfilled in your family, seeing the way of God fulfilled in your walk, seeing God work in the power of the Holy Spirit for your marriage and what's happening. So submitting doesn't mean, you know, it means submitting to what God has for your family, for your marriage. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, so what is marriage? We call it a walk to the altar. Right? That's how you get started. You walk to the altar. Well, what is an altar? When you walk down that aisle, when I give counseling to people, I say, you have just given up the single life. I've met so many men and women who get married and think they're going to just keep living the way they were and just add a husband or wife to that. It, it, it'll never work. It'll never happen. But when you walk down that aisle, you're saying, I die to my self-life, understanding that I've given my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm submitting into this marriage, and I'm dying to myself for the benefit of the one that I am marrying. They say the same thing. You two become then one in Jesus Christ. A lot of times you do the candlelight service. You snuff out the two lights and make one new light. One new light, one heart, one spirit. Hallelujah. I lose a lot of people here, but this is the truth. The husband must die to himself. Many years ago, I was went called to a house where they had marriage troubles, and it was a very small and uh, very unkept house. And I walked, so I walked to the door. I saw a new Harley, a new boat, a new pickup truck. When I went in the house, I saw a dilapidated washer and a haggard woman in a house that she didn't even have the tools to be a housewife in. Didn't take too many smarts to figure out what the problem was there. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was living for himself and wanted to add this woman to it. Doesn't work. Husband must die to yourself. 
must die. That's God. Turn your spiritual ears on. This takes you into the supernatural. This will bring, it sounds awful. It'll bring you into the supernatural to bring you into happiness once you do it. The wife must die to herself. Must die to herself and into the marriage and into, uh, into uh, taking care of her husband. So that's one little thing there that is absolutely at the root. In fact, I've given you two submitting to one another in the fear of God. Number two, go to the altar. If you haven't really gone to the altar yet, come to the altar today when we're done. Praise God. I've seen four of the most destructive forces in marriage over the years. Number one, above all, is anger. Anger, anger, angry people, angry people, angry husbands, angry wives. They start out saying, I only have eyes for you. Two years later, I only have ice for you. Hallelujah. Usually that's rooted in self, what we just talked about. But anger, subtle anger, anger under the surface, anger, anger, anger over everything, and, and I've seen it over and over and over again. If there's anger in your life, it must go. Hallelujah. I don't care what somebody else has done. Alcohol, drugs, the damage caused by these things is just untold. Arrogance and pride. People wanting to be above somebody else. Whether it's both of them together or otherwise. And then sexual sin of any kind, and especially adultery. I've had many people come to me for counseling and They, usually it's if the man comes, if the man comes, he says, uh, I say, why are you here? He'll say, everything will be all right as soon as you get her straightened out. Hallelujah. Anybody know about that? <laughs> but that isn't going to work. That isn't going to work. Or they'll say it's 50-50. It's not 50-50. Hallelujah, it's 100 to 100. But I got good news as we go through this. There's some here today, somebody here today, I believe, that you're ready to step into divorce. I don't know who you are. God's saying, don't do it. Listen up today. And change your way. Come to this altar. God will make everything different. There's some today here, you're carrying bad feelings towards your spouse. Serious bad feelings. God wants you to, nobody else knows about it, maybe your spouse. God wants you to deal with that. Get that out of your life. Get that out of your life. He is desperately serious about your marriage. The power of the Holy Spirit is in this place. I have felt it. And if you will give yourself to him, admit and repent of anything you've done against your marriage, 
the Holy Spirit and God will join with you. Hallelujah. And change things. Change things. Okay, so that was the introduction. Two <laughs> little choppy things there. There's some things I would give you. Some of you know this. You're in a great church. Might not be saying anything you haven't already heard. I'm just praying today that you hear it. How many times I had a guest come into church and say something and everybody go, oh, how wonderful that was. Oh, isn't that great? I've never heard that before. I've been preaching for the last three months. <laughs> well, this is your day. Hallelujah. <laughs> but there are some things that I have that I think would help anybody who is really serious about having a great marriage. Whether you're married yet or whether you're planning on being married, uh, doesn't matter. Whether you're married or having problems, whether you're married or it's going pretty good. Why, there's things you can do. They say there's three rules, a great real estate deal, location, location, location. I think there's three rules of having a great marriage. Learn, learn, and learn. Learn from the right place, of course. Learn and do. Learn and do what you've learned. Learn and do what you learn. Learn. Get it in your head. Get it in your heart. Then get it in your hands and get it in your feet. Learn God's way. The Bible is the best marriage book on the face of the earth. There's a lot of junk out there. Be careful what you read, and if you uh, are serious in getting into a book or something about it, check with your pastor. Because what I'm preaching today is not psychology. I'm preaching the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. Learn, learn, learn. Learn the Word. Learn the Word. Colossians 3.16 speaks of the Word. The Word. Learning the Word of God and the direct context was marriage. Ephesians 5.18 speaks of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a great teacher. He's a great teacher. Hallelujah. He's the great teacher. And the context is the marriage part of Ephesians 4 and 5. Hallelujah. So learn the Word, learn from the Holy Spirit, move in the Holy Spirit. Most, most of the Bibles do us a disservice by these little title heads they put in here. The context of Ephesians just spins out from Ephesians 5. It doesn't just start at Ephesians 5 and, and, and Ephesians 4 and so Hallelujah. Be, okay, be totally committed to Christ. That's a root concept. You're not going to skip over that. You're not going to skip over it. When we got saved, it was Jesus. When we got saved, we did a lot of stupid things, but at least we did them with our eyes towards Jesus. And he got us straightened out. Hallelujah. <laughs> And we move in that direction. Learn his ways. Put them into action. Learn his ways and put them into action. 
Uh, I've been learning for 50 years, and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. See, what happens is a woman usually marries a man hoping to change him, and he never does change. And a man marries a woman hoping she never does change. And all she does is change. Every seven to ten years, I get a new wife. And I got to learn how to live with this one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say amen, guys. Like, stand with me, please. I feel a few heads shake, but you're not, you're afraid to say, yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> Well, I'll get back to truth. You don't just slide into having a good marriage. It doesn't just, you know, we'll get married and just go along and time will take care of it and it'll be better. You may stay married for a long time. I know some perfectly miserable 80-year-olds because of marriage. But if you want a good marriage, hallelujah, learn, learn. Wives, you learn. Learn to be a godly spouse. Learn from the Word of God. Learn from some people that have been successful. See, I could have pre couldn't preach this message 30 years ago because we, we hadn't been proven yet. But now we can stand here and say, I know. I know. I know this Word is true. I know this Word will bring you through. I know this Word will establish your home. I know this Word will take and make your life a great life if you will apply it to your life. So learn the ways of God. Another non-optional. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not an option. Boy, I heard those Holy Spirit songs here this morning, and I was flipping on. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't it great to be a Pentecostal? Amen. Isn't it great to be a Pentecostal? You know, churches are changing their name today, so they, they, they're, they're kind of hiding their Pentecost, you know, and, and we're kind of making it easy on people and all that. Hey, once you've been touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing greater. You crave for it. You go after it. You say, I want this. I want it. I want it. I want it. We've gone through a dry season over our area over there in our church and that, and it's hard sometimes because we're the only ones walking, really seeking after the power of the Holy Spirit among the people we're among. Praise God, he's given us some young people. They're enthusiastic about God and they're learning. They're learning. May they keep learning. Okay, hallelujah. He empowers you to live what you've learned. If you only get it in your head, you only get it in your head, only get it in your mind, you go out and try to work it, guess what's going to happen? You'll fall flat on your face. Because what it takes is greater than what you have. Hallelujah. What it takes is greater than what you have in yourself. Get the Holy Spirit. Bring the Holy Spirit into your marriage. He isn't just for here. He's for on the job. He's for in the school. He's for at the workplace. Hallelujah. He's for when you're out in the community. He's for everywhere you go. I love him. 
Oh, I want it. Hallelujah. Send your power, Lord. Send the spirit, Lord. Send the rain, Lord. Send it on this place. Send it in my home. Send it in my church. Send it in my children's home. You got some water here? Not if you're going to walk with God. Seek him. Not just one time. You seek him. Come back over and over. Come back to the well and drink and drink. And say, Lord, and pray about your marriage. I'll say it now. But Helen mentioned about the call on her life. Boy, it's hard to believe it's that long ago now. Anyhow, about 20 years ago, <laughs> I was really praying. And the tugboat here had some tough times. Hallelujah. You know, you just get down and struggle and struggle and struggle and get praying. God, what's going on? And I, I was dreaming about my ministry, my church, my success. And I'm praying how come things aren't going my way. Any of you else pray that way? Am I the only one that ever did that? <laughs> okay. And, and I was sincere. I wasn't being funny, but I, my head was just not in, in a straight line at that time. And it just wasn't going too well. And I really started praying. And God says, Helen stood with you for the last 30 years to see that you were fulfilled in what you're doing. And now I have a calling on her life and it's her time. Oh. Oh. What a revelation. <laughs> her call isn't just to serve me and make everything go right for me. And that's when... He really put it in my heart. She was called to the nursing. She had been. She raised the children. Now, God said it's her time. And so we got together and talked and arranged it. I continued in ministry. Her nursing enhanced the ministry, literally. But uh, it changed our perspective on everything. Because that's the way God called us. I'm not saying you guys got to do the same thing. You seek God for what he says to you and your family. Only can you get that from God. But remember, God, guys especially, God got his hand on your wife, your spouse. Pray about what he has for her, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Learn and do. Learn and do. Learn and do. Learn to draw on each other's strengths. Learn to draw on each other's strengths. After we got saved and started paying more attention, I started reading all these things on marriage and everything. I found out that every marriage counseling book that you could pick up advised that the two people with our background and, and with our uh, personalities should never get married. <laughs> And I'm not going to go into the details of that, but we're two firstborn, responsibility taking, run the place people. Hallelujah. <laughs> Guess what that means? Crash. But you see, God has a different way. If two people will submit to God, there are no two people on the face of this earth that cannot get along. There's no two people on the face of this earth that they will submit to God that they cannot get along. 
Like there's no hundred in a church if they were totally submitted to God that couldn't be wrong. Amen? Hello? Anybody here? Don't like that word submit, I can tell. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, let's move on then. Uh, <laughs> praise God. The next area that I think is so important is begin to take on the mind and the understanding that your marriage is a covenant marriage. Let's go back to Malachi. Malachi in chapter 2. This is a chapter you really want to study if you're serious. Really want to study, and we're going to just be able to hit a few verses here. What was happening was the people weren't being blessed, and it seemed like God wasn't with them, and they started praying, and God give this word to the prophet. God give this word to the prophet in verse 14. You say, how come everything's messed up? How come everything isn't working right? How come my marriage isn't working right? And God says, you say, for what reason? For the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth. 2.14. The Lord has been a witness. You know that God's watching you? God's watching you? God's watching your marriage? God's watching how you treat your wife? God's watching how you treat your husband? God's right there. He says, I'm, I'm watching you. There was a commercial on TV about a guy standing at the altar getting married, and uh, it was a commercial about finances, and the successful father of the bride was standing there, and this shaky guy standing at the hall, altar, and he goes, I'm watching you. It's funny, but, uh, you know, it's kind of struck home. God is watching you. Now, that can be a blessing, or it can be scary. Praise God. You know, God's out for your good. Remember that. God's out for your good. But if you decide to be contrary, he's watching you. If you decide to do it right, he's watching you. And I'm not talking about perfect legalism here at all. But if you turn to a right attitude towards your spouse, and turn to a right direction, hallelujah, God's watching and the blessing will begin to flow. Amen? And he goes on to say, she is your companion, the wife, your wife, by covenant, by covenant, by covenant, by covenant, not contract. Okay? And vice versa. He's your husband by covenant, not by contract. You know, his prenuptial agreement means that's a plan for a failure. See, Satan hates your marriage, and he wants you to plan for your failure. Sometimes you've got to fight for your marriage. She's the wife of your covenant. Wife is not a contract, or a, a covenant is not a contract. Contracts never, our contracts always end. In other words, you make a contract, something's done, and then it's over, and that's it. Contracts always end. Covenants never end. 
God makes his covenants with people. God is a God of covenants. God calls us to a marriage of covenants. Hallelujah. God has only a very few exceptions in, in the covenant as far as uh, somebody even thinking about getting a divorce. They have to do with adultery, and that's about it. Covenants have no end. Okay? Let's look at a covenant for a minute and see what a covenant's all about. Covenants have certain rules. In other words, there's when you went to the altar to die, you agreed to certain rules. You agreed to love, cherish, obey in sickness and in health, and where for richer or for poorer, and uh, so on, as long as you both shall live. You made that promise. I don't know how many ever paid attention to it. When I, I'm going to be doing a wedding here in a few weeks, and uh, boy, I really drove this home. People say, oh, you're hard. I love them. Just try and get truth on the table. Make sure you know what you're doing. So covenants have certain rules and conditions. Those are summarized in the wedding ceremony. Hallelujah. The covenant, a typical covenant, has the promises. It has the signs and the seals. Covenant has the promises. Look at God. He has many covenants through the Bible. What's he always do? He comes along and he gives his word, his promise. All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. You are by faith in promise, children of God. We are children of God according to Abraham. Children of God. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> My head got twisted here. Uh, you are children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. You are children of Abraham by the covenant, by the promises, by the promise, by the promise. God promised. The Holy Spirit is a part of the covenant. He is the promise. He is the promise. He sends the signs. Hallelujah. He sends the seals in power. Praise God. So you have then in marriage a covenant. Okay. Usually, the main promise is made when you go to an altar to have a marriage. You give each other your promises in this covenant. The questions I always ask a woman is, are you willing to live on the income that he's probably going to make? Sometimes you see the <laughs> They're thinking he's going to, maybe he isn't. But what is your promises? What are your promises? They're made in that covenant, in that time at the altar. Sex is the seal. So we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, but sex is the seal. Consummation of the marriage. Hallelujah. And children are the sign. How do we know that you got married and that you sealed it? Because there's children. Praise God. And children are very important. 
Helen and I were getting along in years, ripe old 28, 29 years old. We didn't have children. It seemed like we couldn't have children. And even more so for a woman, there's something built in them. They want children. I wasn't so sure that I was keen on the idea of adoption, but Helen was all wound up about it. <laughs> and I was out with a minister friend, and I was talking to him, and he uh, he was there. I remember this well. He was older. He was talking about the grief of him and his wife never having any children. And I said, well, never saw it that way. So we adopted our first child. Hallelujah. As usually happens, a year and a half later, we have another one. Amen? <laughs> this seems to go with the territory. And then what happens is after 12 years are up and the, uh, the other ones are just getting ready to graduate from high school, guess what? <laughs> God had a blessing for us, 40, in our 40s. And she was a blessing. They're all a blessing. God says children are a blessing. It's God that opens the womb. Praise God. So the ceremony, the promise, which is the promise, you have the seal, sex, and children the sign. That's what God intends for family. That third one came about. We were having a morning service like this. And God moved on. He's moving on me now. I'm not pro-life. I'm anti-abortion. But God moved. And came upon me. And he said, if there's any women in here who want to have a baby, come to the altar. And, man, I never seen an altar call so fast. <laughs> Saw guys sitting in their seats. There was eight or ten. That's a small church. I realized not this. It was a small church. But there was eight or ten women there. Oh, wow, I must have really heard something. And so we started to pray. Come to the altar, pray. We started to pray. And Helen comes up to pray with this one young woman. Can I tell this story? I hope I have it right. It's been a long time. But uh, the woman was pregnant and didn't want to have a baby. So Helen's talking to her and encouraging her and telling her why she should want to have a baby and so on. And the Holy Spirit came on Helen and says, as you're telling her, so it is for you. She's 40 years old. Hallelujah. <laughs> And out of that altar call, I think seven of those women had babies within a year, year and a half. God is into babies. 
it in my notes. I wasn't even going. He had a baby. Surprise, surprise. I'll tell you what I told her when she told me. I'm 42 years old, feeling beat up, and thinking kids are going to be out of the house in about two years, and uh, now we can really zip and live. This man's mind, you got to understand. <laughs> so one morning, Helen comes to me and she says, I think I have something that I have to tell you. <laughs> And she says, I think I'm going to have a baby. And I said, uh, give me a few minutes so I don't say anything that I'm sorry for. <laughs> After gathering my thoughts, well, Helen has this one thing. You're sound asleep. She gets an idea, and at 7 o'clock in the morning, Here's your coffee. Hey, guess what I was thinking about? You go, oh. <laughs> See, my marriage is so good, I get coffee in bed, guys. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is only one thing. I can't handle 18 more years of school programs. <laughs> Some of you guys will relate to that. Hallelujah. And we're going to have, again, a time at the altar for marriages. For marriages. Hear my heart. If you bust up what you have and go for another one, you're just going to end up in another mess. If you don't deal with the unhappiness that you have now, it's not going to just drift away. If you have a decent marriage that you want something great, with the help of God, you can move in that direction. So, today, today, don't put it off. Don't wait till some other day. The power of the Lord is in this place. The power of the Lord is in this place. See, it didn't just take a head change. It takes a heart change. I can do the head change, but God has to do the heart change. There has to be some work of the Holy Spirit. By coming to this altar, you're saying, Lord, I'm dying to my old ways of trying to deal with everything. I need you to take over. I need you to take over. If your spouse is out of order and you're trying, keep trying, and watch what God will do. Believe for a miracle. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a scripture to you that uh, I call it the bullseye of a marriage relationship. It's Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 30 through 5, 2. Get a chance to read all around it. Now, he's speaking this to a church. But you know what? Relationships, marriage is the closest relationship. My brothers and sisters in Christ are my next relationship. My church people. And I don't just mean that. I mean brothers and sisters in Christ wherever they are. Hallelujah. And here's what he advises. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So you can, you can set yourself up so that the Holy Spirit says, I'm done with you too. 
Don't grieve him. By whom you were sealed unto redemption. God tells you what not to do. Let all bitterness, that bitter spirit, about anything. Wrath. Wrath is anger unleashed to where you know it won't turn back. When you hear the wrath of God, that means he's had it. Wrath has come. And there's nothing you're going to do to change it. You don't want to go there. Well, in us human beings, there's times when you've been angry enough, you just didn't care what the fallout was going to be. You tear into something. That's wrath. Clamor. That's arguing and discontent all the place, all over the thing. Evil speaking. Don't speak evil one of another. Build up. Put away from you all malice as ill will. Then in its place, be kind. Be kind. So you can't live in a vacuum. I can tell you what not to do, but what do I put in its place? A lot of people struggle under that. Be kind. Be kind. Be kind. Instead of angry, be kind. Okay? Be kind. Tender-hearted. A lot of times we draw lines on somebody we don't realize that's really the root of what they're dealing with. Be tender-hearted, even if they're not all that tender-hearted at the time. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. The power of forgiveness, I'm sure you've heard about that. Even as God in Christ forgave you. That's the whole nine yards. That doesn't leave anything out. Be imitators of God, dear children. Walk in love. As Christ loved us, giving himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. There's that same thing again self sacrifice, sacrifice as Christ sacrificed. If you've been wrong, forgive, lay it down, don't get even. There's times when I'll take those few scriptures, make a whole message out of them. If you're serious, look those up. Study them and ask God to show you. Ask God to show you if you've got some of those things in you. You popping off all the time, you're full of anger. Usually somebody's popping off all the time. They got little angry spurts coming out, but there's a great big ball of anger inside. God has the power to change you. God has the power to put in place and help you. If you get your head right, you'll get your heart right. Let's stand. You have a marriage this morning, you want it to be better, you want it to be great, or it's just plain not good. Come to this altar. Come to this altar. And again, I ask those that can pray to come and pray with those that come. Remember the day you got married? Remember the day it all started? Remember that time when you couldn't live without that person? Go back there. Meditate on it a little bit. What happened? What changed? Right now, at this altar, God's power is going to work. I may not be able to come to each and every one of you to pray, but I don't have to. God is at work. Right now, I release the power of marriage. I release the love of companionship one to another in this place right now.